Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. I know that there's not as many opportunities in rural areas, and so providing an opportunity like this to get students connected and connected early is critical to help them see a path forward in terms of what they can do. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in Eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachia meets world. We're back. It's Will. And Neil, what up? Hey, down with APP? Yeah, you know I'm down with APP. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good this week. I'm down. I'm always down. Hey, I was going to ask you, did you see the Derby? Did you watch the Derby? Man, got to be honest with you, Will. You didn't even watch it? I did not even see the best two minutes in sports this year. (laughs) What were you doing? I think it's the first time ever in my lifetime that I haven't watched it live. I'm disappointed. I saw the highlights. What were you doing? You're disappointed now. But wait until I tell you where I was. <laughs> All right. As you know, I got a little something going on that requires a lot of attention right now. So I spent all day long Saturday campaigning. campaigning. Nice. But I did take a break and went somewhere with my wife. Saturday night around It just happened seven? to be the same time as the Derby. What was more important than the Derby? Bow, wow, wow. <laughs> S-N-O-O-P Snoop Dogg Snoop Dogg concert We went to the Snoop Dogg concert in Corbin, KY I did, man How was it? In, remember back in the early 90s when you would drive me around oh. and I was a little punk middle schooler and you made me listen to Snoop Dogg and Warren G all the time? Oh, I remember I remember the CDs Yeah, you forever cursed me Actually, I think the reason that I missed the Derby this year falls back to you, basically. <laughs> I mean, I made I, you I, fall in love with Snoop. I think it's your fault, man. Well, how was the concert? <laughs> you know, I, I thought it was great. Of course, our mother wasn't there, obviously. <laughs> Martha so, Stewart show up? Who? Martha Stewart? No, Martha wasn't there either. It was a packed house, though, I can tell you that. Nice. Corbin loves them some Snoop. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoy yourself, but you did miss an incredible historic derby win. Yeah, obviously, of course, because I missed it. It was the best one of my lifetime. It, it was insane. 80 I mean, to 1. I'm positive tons of people lost tons of money on that race because that horse killed everybody. Yeah, who was betting, but it was an incredible run by Rich Rich Strike. If we were at the Derby, would we have put anything on that that horse to win? 
You know, he, he got the worst. He, he was the worst odds. So there's right. always people out there that say, I'm just going to bet on the worst odds. Let me put right. $10 on it. I actually put $10 on bad odds, but I couldn't put it on that bad of odds. Right. Because he wasn't even in the race the day before. Your $10 wasn't worth 80 to 1 odds. <laughs> we looked at that horse and said, Oh, buddy, you got a better chance of catching cancer today. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> did you see? Did you see him biting the lead pony afterwards? Yeah. Then he got yeah, punched did, in the face. Did you hear what they said? Why he was doing that? Uh-uh. He thought he was still racing. <laughs> he was trying to get to the him? front. You see the guy punch him in the face? Yeah. He was trying <laughs> to get to the front. you treat a derby winner? Yeah, I guess, man. <laughs> I've always seen him get nothing but roses, but I guess it gets your attention when you get punched in the mouth, that's for sure. So uh, you got the election coming up on the 17th. Yeah, right around the corner, a couple more days. Days, man. Good luck with that. I know you've been campaigning hard. Appreciate it. I did want to mention, we we talked last week about the Mountain Law Festival. Yeah, it's coming we, up a couple weeks. We are going to be live. Yes, sir. Looking forward to that. On the normal Friday, I guess it's what, Friday the 27th? Friday the 27th, yep. live at 10.30 a.m. at the Kentucky Mountain Laurel Festival. We won't release it early in the morning. We'll release it when we go live, so check that mm-hmm. out. Nothing can be edited. You'll see us raw. <laughs> for better or for worse. Exactly. <laughs> it's usually worse in my case, but... Actually, you know, I told Will when the lights come on, I tend to perform better. So live might be my, it might be my, it might be my jam. Hey, something else that this was past weekend was the we talked about this a while ago, but the Appalachian Festival. Yeah, up there in Cincinnati. Yeah, that was this past weekend. Yeah, did was there lots of Appalachians there from Kentucky? I'm sure there were. I'm sure it went went well. Hey, I don't know, hey, an Appalachian, an Appalachian won a race in Ohio. Who? J.D. Vance. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think you'd want to talk about that. You know, speaking of elections, I, I guess you're right. Oh, oh, J.D. won the election in Ohio. I don't know what to hey, think about that, man. You know, they say Trump pushed him over the top. I think there's no doubt that he did. How do you feel about that as an Ohioan? Trump came in and pushed a guy over the top. You know, if a guy wants to run, let him run. But... It's going down a rabbit hole if we start talking about J.D. I said we weren't going to talk about politics, and here we go again. It's going down a rabbit hole if we start talking about J.P. Mandel. <laughs> Did you see that? That's what Trump called him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we <laughs> we may just leave that alone. Yeah. I think that's probably a good idea. He said enough about. The entire region of Appalachia, probably too much in his in his book. So we we won't go there. We've gone there in the past. Yeah, uh, we won't go there again. I, I I did see though that U Pike University of Pikeville, mm-hmm. they just recently, I think it was last week, got the biggest private donation in 133 year history, 25 million dollars to establish. A college of dentistry in Appalachia, Kentucky. Yeah, <clears throat> that's uh, that's big news around here, Will. And they're also investing a bunch of money into an athletic complex that will house their new uh, football, baseball, softball, all their outdoor field events. 
So UPOC's making a strong move in the NAIA. That's incredible. Uh, it's also incredible that this donor that donated the money for the College of Dentistry, they just recently completed the, coll- the College of Optometry. They have a DO program. And now they're going to have a College of Dentistry. It's supposed to be done in three years, but apparently it was an anonymous donor who just, quote in the, in the article, that has deep love for Appalachia and a passion for improving health care in the region. There's only 68 schools of dentistry in the entire country. And wow. now Appalachia, Kentucky is going to have one. Kentucky will now have, when, when it's completed, will now have three. There are only seven states in the entire nation that have three College of Dentistries. It's pretty big for the region, especially for, you know, Appalachia, Kentucky, where access to health care is minimal. So, uh, Will, do you, do you have an app biz of the week for me today? Uh, I do. It, it's not relevant to this episode, but there is it is. relevant to Appalachia. That's all we care about here, Will. An app biz, a local app biz. It's actually gotten a little bit of press the last couple of years because it was a Made in the South. I don't know if you're familiar with Garden and Guns Made in the South Awards, but it was a Made in the South Award winner. What award <laughs> show is that again, Will? Made in the South. Oh, yeah. Okay. I would probably be better at that than I was the Oscar list. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt there. <laughs> but there's a little ceramic brand mm. in Asheville, North Carolina. It was founded by Connie and Alex Matisse and also a fellow potter, John Vigeland. They started really small and they kind of grown into this cult ceramic brand in Asheville, North Carolina. It's called East Fork Pottery. And so it's there in Asheville, North Carolina. Like I said, they started in 2009. They've already grown into almost 15,000 square foot warehouse there in Asheville. And I think they opened up a couple of brick and mortars. So if you're interested in getting some pottery, some kitchenware, definitely check them out. You know, check out your local shops. Always shop local. This is a really cool one. A good name and uh, some quality products that's what i was gonna say will like you don't really think about pottery except in the kitchen you know one of my favorite dishes that we have is a a pottery dish that you cook bacon on you just lay the bacon over top of a of a pottery cup and uh it has a separate container that catches the grease i'm sure they have them Nice. Uh, the business you're talking about it's one of my favorite things that we have in our kitchen so you can just get it i got it at a pottery store down in uh gatlinburg and i can't think of the name of it right now but i'm sure the good folks there in Asheville at the uh east fork there in Asheville, i'm sure can uh can provide something like that for you as well so reach out to them do you have their website will I do. It's eastfork.com. E-A-S-T-F-O-R-K.com. Cool. I'm sure you can go on there and find some of that nice kitchen pottery. Look for my favorite dish. There's one more thing I wanted to mention tonight, just this week. The Association of Community Cancer Center, which is referred to as the ACCC, it's a leading education and advocacy organization for cancer care, just came out with two new efforts. And they came out with it because of a recent report in 2020 that claims that the Appalachia region has 10% higher cancer mortality rates than anywhere else in the country. And that central Appalachia has the highest 
at 32% higher than anywhere else in the country. So because of this, the ACCC, which is a network of 28,000 multidisciplinary practitioners from 2,100 hospitals and practices nationwide, they came up with these two new efforts to improve cancer screening care and mortality rates in Appalachia. And so they created the Appalachian Community Cancer Alliance and also the Rural Appalachian Lung Cancer Screening Initiatives. This alliance initiatives are going to be doing a lot of things in Appalachia in regards to cancer education, cancer care, cancer research, a lot of the things to try to combat this high cancer mortality rate in Appalachia. And I think it's an awesome thing for the region, but also also incredible thing that this association is doing. This is a well-regarded association. Like I said, one of the leading ones in the country and they're focusing their efforts now on Appalachia. Glad you mentioned cancer crisis in Appalachia. You know, I, I don't mean to bring the, the, the episode down at all. And I know that's not your intent either, but it does need to be a focus for Appalachians. And I'm sure there's smart, smarter people than me and you that are looking into the reasons why. And I know tonight we have one of those smarter than me and you individuals lined up to discuss this topic. Yeah. You know, we talked about earlier the, the Pikeful getting ready to establish a college of dentistry, giving those Appalachian students an opportunity is exactly what is needed in the, in the area, just given that opportunity. And, and that's what our guest is doing through his work as well at the University of Kentucky College of Medicine. As you already know, and all of our listeners already know, we're all about finding unique opportunities for Appalachians, whether it's older Appalachians or, or middle-aged Appalachians or younger Appalachians. We're all about finding opportunity for Appalachians. And I think Nathan Vanderford that we're about to talk to will will shed some light on some great ways for young Appalachians to get involved in medicine early on. And I'm looking forward to talking to him tonight. Absolutely. Dr. Vanderford, he is the director of the Appalachian Career Training in Oncology Program or better referred to as the ACTION program at the UK Markey Cancer Center. So we wanted to have him on. You know, we did know about these health facts. We don't know much about them, but we do know that we lead the country, that being Appalachia, lead the country in cancer mortality rates. We also lead the country in, in diabetes. There's a lot of health disparities throughout the region. So we wanted to have him on to talk about this ACTION program and how he's providing opportunities to students in high school and college throughout Eastern Kentucky to train in oncology and training cancer research. And I just wanted to have him on to find out a lot more about it. Let's do it. On today's episode, we have Dr. Nathan Vanderford. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Toxicology and Cancer Biology at the U University of Kentucky College of Medicine. 
And also, and kind of why we have him on the show today, he is the director of the Appalachian Career Training and Oncology Program, better referred to as, or easier referred to as Action Program at the University of Kentucky Markey Cancer Center. Dr. Vanderford, we want to thank you for being on the show. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I look forward to having a conversation today. As part of that conversation, there's a question that we ask all our guests. So as most Appalachians are big on tradition, Neil and I's family, we're big on tradition as well. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays, usually a big spread of appetizers, usually more appetizers than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or a holiday dish. And I'm assuming that might be the first time you've ever been asked that on a call. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I got to say it is. That's a great way to start off the conversation. You know, my, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Uh, and, you know, we may talk about this more today, but I, I grew up in Appalachia. I'm from southern middle Tennessee, originally rural area of southern middle Tennessee that shares many characteristics with rural uh, Appalachian Kentucky. And so my, my Southern family, we love to eat homemade, made from scratch food. And I tell you, Thanksgiving, all the delicious food uh, by my mom, you know, it's just incredible what she does. And the greatest thing about growing up in my family is that there's always food around. So you can graze anytime you want to. <laughs> um, you know, she's always got leftover pies and whatever. So that's my favorite memory, you know, maybe not an appetizer, but, you know, just things that, uh, you know, she's cooked and you can go up and grab and eat anytime you want to. Do you have one favorite dish? So my, my favorite pie is Georgia chess pie Ooh. that my mother makes. And yeah. I tell you, it is, it is to die for. Uh, and that's what I kind of live for. Uh, she makes it mostly at Thanksgiving. So I, I love that. Nice. I haven't had one of those in a while, but that, that, that's a, that's definitely a good choice. Yes. Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> now that we kind of have that question out of the way, <laughs> uh, I wanted to uh, get into the Appalachia Career Training and Oncology Program, or as I referred to earlier, we'll just call it the Action Program going forward. It was launched in 2016 to foster the future of cancer in Kentucky. And from that, a book has been created that's titled The Cancer Crisis in Appalachia, Kentucky Students Take Action. And it was, it's a student-driven book, and we, we will definitely get into that later. But I wanted to ask about action. For our listeners, what is action and what is the significance of action? Yeah, all great questions. Uh, so action is a, it's a program, it's a training, education training program. Started out for uh, undergraduates at the University of Kentucky. Uh, and then in 2018, we got a bigger grant that allowed us to expand out to include high school students also. So these undergraduates and high school students have to originally be from Appalachian, Kentucky, any of the 54 counties as defined by the Appalachian Regional Commission. Uh, and it's a program where we recruit these students and motivate them and prepare them to pursue cancer careers. You know, that can be in the healthcare setting, research setting, education, cancer prevention, community health worker, 
you know, really anything. So we, we get them involved in cancer research and cancer education activities. Um, we get them some clinical shadowing opportunities, although that's been very hard to do during COVID. Uh, and we do outreach activities as well to go out in the community and talk to community members about the program and about cancer in Eastern Kentucky. The significance of this is that Kentucky ranks first in the nation in overall cancer incidence and mortality. So no other state in the U.S. has a worse cancer problem than does Kentucky. So that's bad. But what's worse is that the 54 counties in Appalachian, Kentucky, are significantly worse in terms of cancer rates than is the rest of Kentucky. So we're talking, you know, really significant cancer problem, cancer incidence levels, very high, cancer mortality, very high. Uh, and so the idea is to recruit students from the area and get them educated on this tough subject and have them motivated to pursue cancer careers so that they can help us solve the problem. And, you know, who best to help solve the problem in Appalachian, Kentucky than Appalachian Kentuckians. And that's, so that's the idea. I know you mentioned that you brought high schoolers in, in 2018, 2019 to the program. I was going to ask why Appalachia, but I think you kind of answered that question, but you know, was it important for you to also draw high schoolers from the region that were after being educated through this program were then going to go back into the region to spread that education. Was that part of the thinking in regards to bringing high schoolers into the program? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really, it's kind of two ideas here. One, we got to start early in the educational pipeline. You know, the earlier you start trying to get students, kids interested in a particular field or a particular area, the more you're going to hook them. And I mean, there's some literature that demonstrates this. You know, there's been research around this topic. Uh, so start early, get them interested and motivated to pursue a particular career or, you know, area. And in our case, it's cancer. And then, you know, you have to continue doing things with them so they stay in the pipeline. Growing up in rural area, I know that there's not as many opportunities in rural areas and so providing an opportunity like this to get students connected and connected early is critical to help them see a path forward in terms of what they can do. I mean, there's great, smart students out there that just need an opportunity. So that's, that's one piece of the puzzle. But also, you know, particularly through our outreach component, we, we get students in this program and we share all this cancer information with them. And then they can go back in their community and share some of this. You know, they can talk to their parents, grandparents, family, friends. And, you know, our undergraduates can do this, but they're here. They're at UK. The high school students are still there at home in their communities. So they, they do a great job of talking with their family and friends and, you know, schools about the cancer problem and what can be done to address it now. We want to dive further into the action program as well as the book. But just to back up a little bit, I know in the book, you do mention some of the stats, the 1.7 million new cases of cancer each year in Kentucky with 600,000 deaths overall. But in Kentucky, there's 26,000 new cases each year with 10,000 deaths. And like you said, Appalachia is the large majority of that. But based on this, just about cancer in general, what are some of the biggest causes 
or areas of concern for Appalachia in regards to cancer? And are they different based on geography? Is it happening more prevalent in Appalachia for a particular reason? Is there research in that regard? Yeah, all great questions. So I think Appalachia, rural Appalachia, shares many commonalities with other rural areas. You know, other rural areas also have high high rates, not as high as Appalachian Kentucky, but high rates of cancer and other diseases. You know, if you look in Appalachian Kentucky, it also has high levels of many other diseases, heart disease, diabetes, you know, obesity, things like that. But really, you know, it's not just one thing in, in Eastern Kentucky. It's a collection of many different things that creates sort of a perfect storm for why cancer rates are so high. I can speak to this on a personal level because, you know, as we know now, I'm a Southerner and born and raised in a rural area. So much of what I'm going to say happens in my family as well. We have a lot of tobacco use in rural Kentucky, and that's connected to a lot of lung cancer. I mean, lung cancer incidence and mortality rates are out the roof in Eastern Kentucky. And actually, Lung cancer mortality rates in Eastern Kentucky are almost double what they are compared to the national average. Wow. And that is really, I mean, that's pretty well connected to tobacco use. But, you know, there's also, there's issues of not having good access to health care. And we know this from living in rural areas. I mean, you know, there's just not good access to care. In Eastern Kentucky, if you want to get really high level cancer care, you have to come to Lexington. And if you live in Letcher or Pike County or somewhere like that, we're talking, you know, about three hours one way to get here. So that's a significant burden. Same issue with my family. My, my dad was a smoker for a long time, got lung cancer, and we lived about two hours from Nashville where he got his treatment. And going back and forth to Nashville, you know, for lung cancer treatment was tough. It was tough on him, tough on the family. And so there's a lot of people out there that deal with that. And because of that, uh, or there's some people who just then don't get the treatment like they're supposed to. Like there's a lot of missed appointments and a lot of missed follow-ups just because of the burden of what it takes to get here. You know, and there's lots of other issues as well. Sure. But- I was just curious, would you say that that story of your dad is kind of what drew you to, to cancer research, or is there something else that kind of steered you towards that area? That's absolutely it. You know, I was, I have a PhD in biochemistry, and during my PhD, I studied, uh, I was in a lab that studied mechanisms, molecular mechanisms associated with diabetes. Uh, and in 2009, my dad gets lung cancer, passes away in June of 2010. Uh, And then just six months after that, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. uh, And luckily, you know, she was detected early just through regular mammograms that she was getting uh, and went through successful treatment and she's okay today. But that absolutely uh, changed my professional trajectory in terms of my interest in cancer, my interest in, you know, sort of training the next generation, because I think that's how we're going to solve this problem. Unfortunately for adults, you know, we're kind of already set along our path in some regards, but if we can really make a generational change, that's how we're going to majorly change the cancer trajectory in places like Eastern Kentucky. 
I think that's a perfect segue to, to talk about the book. I mentioned the book earlier, The Cancer Crisis in Appalachia, Kentucky Students Take Action. There have been two editions. The first one was in 2020. The most recent one just re was released in February of this year. And in the book, I mentioned before, you state the statistics, but you also talk about, you explain why the statistics are important to understand the impact. Data hides the personal stories. Behind each data point is a person, a life, and family's life that have been changed forever. So was that kind of the impetus behind the book to realize these personal stories, much like your own, when you got into oncology or cancer research yourself? Was that kind of the impetus behind the book and, and the idea behind the book? And can you just talk about how it came to be? Absolutely. I mean, if, if you think, you know, if I think back about my own story, you know, it took a long time to be able to tell my story because uh, it's painful, you know, and it's absolutely right. I mean, it's, I, I believe this wholeheartedly, you know, the, the statistics are awful. The, the number of cases, the number of deaths, you know, it's, it's awful, the numbers, but then it's even more awful to think about, you know, those are, those are really just numbers, but behind those numbers are real people, real people who have cancer, real people who died from cancer, and then families and friends that went through that with those. So, yeah, and, you, you know, if you think about it, and if you, if you think about trying to talk to people to try to get them to think about how to lower their cancer risk, try to talk to someone about stopping using tobacco or whatever, they, I don't think they're going to pay that much attention to the numbers. But if you tell them a personal story about, hey, my dad smoked for oh, 55 years and developed lung cancer and it, it killed him in six months. So if you tell them that story and talk about how it, it affected you, you know, I was 30 years old when that happened. So, you know, I've, I've now lived about 12 years without a dad you know, if he wasn't a smoker for all those years, he'd still be around, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think those are touching stories that get people to pay more attention to the problem. You talked about opportunity before. They're incredibly bright and intelligent kids all through the hills and hollers of Appalachia, Kentucky, uh, Appalachia in general, that often just never get that opportunity. I think this is an incredible program to provide that opportunity. How important was you to provide that opportunity, but also have you seen an increase in interest in regards to oncology and just scientific research from the students? And do, do you foresee them actually pursuing a career in this field? Yeah, I, I think it's critically important. You know, there's, there's, there are tons of really smart kids out there, tons and tons. Uh, and, and I know that they, they don't have the same opportunities as kids here in Fayette County or wherever else, you know. So I think it's, it's really important. It's important to bring these students to a place like this also to University of Kentucky and show them what's available, what can have them talk to other students to help them understand, you know, what they could do as a student here. And then beyond that, you know, going to graduate school or medical school or whatever, you know, I think it can really, it can just dramatically change their trajectories, you know, going from a person who might not even think about leaving their rural area, which was my case for a long time. I did, I never dreamed of even going to college until the end of my freshman year. I had some opportunities that were presented to me and I was like, wow, there's a whole new world out there that I didn't know anything about. 
And we see that with particularly our high school students all the time. I mean, their light bulbs going off all over the place in terms of opportunities. So I think it's really important for that regard. Our, our undergraduates in particular, we have 32 students that have completed the program now. 17 are now in medical school. Three are in pharmacy school. We have two in a physician, no, we have three in physician assistant program. We have one pursuing a PhD in cancer biology, others that are applying to medical school and all these other activities. And sure, maybe some of them would have done these things without this program, but we recruit students early. You know, the undergraduates come in mostly as sophomores. We all know anything can happen at any time. And you know, a trajectory can change and we try to keep them on the path to, to doing these next level things, you know. So I think in that regard, we're having an impact. And, and I do believe some of these students will go on into cancer careers. And I know that there are several of them that are very passionate about going back to their home counties, their hometowns in eastern Kentucky and setting up shop to do you know, clinical work because they know the need of their families and friends there. That's incredible. I also know that a lot of the times there's a huge financial burden when when kids start thinking about going this route or going to school in general. I think even much more than people know in rural Kentucky or rural places in general. Is that something you also educate the students on, scholarship or other opportunities in regards to financial means? Absolutely. Uh, we have admissions officers and scholarship people from UK talk to our students about those very things. We also do things to help them uh, enhance their preparation for applying to scholarships. So we've done, you know, ACT preps, for example, and it seems like way more than it was when I was, you know, a high school student. Getting a really high ACT score is going to really set you up to get some good scholarships. So we do a lot to help them improve their ACT scores. You know, we have them, we help them do other activities that that will help enhance their competitiveness for these scholarships. And we we talk a lot. I mean, we we did a whole Saturday on student debt one day, you know, to try to get them to think about, hey, you need to be thinking about not going into humongous debt going to college and find other opportunities that are going to help you pay. You know, you might have to go into a little bit of debt to get a good education, but don't go overboard on, you know, taking out every student loan you possibly can just to have it. Uh, So we've done a lot of work in that regard. Just how many students are in the cohorts? I guess you've had several cohorts to date, but just how many students, how how can they find out information about the program? How can they apply? How do they get in? Where do they come from? Have you pulled students from all 54 counties? Yeah, all great questions. We've had, so there's eight undergraduates per cohort and we run, so students in the program have to be in it for two years. Uh, So we run two cohorts of undergraduate students a year. So at any given year, there's 16 undergraduates in the program. Uh, And then for high school students, we only do one cohort at a time because uh, we do 20 per cohort. And it's just a lot to try to manage all the undergraduates and 20 high school students. So having 40 high school students would be very difficult. Currently, 
we have students from 29 of the 54 Appalachian counties. Uh, and that's pretty well distributed, you know, across the area. It's my goal to have students from all 54 um, eventually. And actually, we've, we've recruited our newest group of undergraduates who will start in September. And we picked up two new counties. We picked up Green and Floyd. So that'll get us up to, I guess, 31 of the 54. So we're on our way. You know, some counties are harder to recruit students from than others for whatever reason. I, I'm not sure we've totally figured that out yet, but um, but that's the goal, to get students from every county. Um, in terms of finding out more information, if, if anybody Googles Markey Cancer Center Appalachian Career Training and Oncology Program, I think they'll find our, our website, you know, on the top of the list, and you can click on that, find out more information, um, you can see, you know, when and how to apply on that, that website. The personal essays, is that mandatory? I, I know you've only released a book in the last couple of years, but going forward, is that going to be a mandatory thing that um, just to get that personal information out there, those personal essays from the students, is that something that they're going to definitely do going forward? Yeah, you know, I, it, it is. And, you know, we may not publish a book every time. It was sort of a wild and crazy idea I had to do this. And so I'm still kind of amazed that we were able to do it. We've done it twice now. It has to have um, with the outreach, though, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, you, you know, the, the books we've distributed and the number of people that tell me, you know, how impactful it was to them and how much they learned, um, you know, many people. I think there's a lot, most people actually in Kentucky and in Appalachian, Kentucky, they can realize, you know, at a personal level, how bad the cancer problem is, but they don't know that it's as bad as it is. You know, they don't know that Kentucky's number one and the rates are highest in Eastern Kentucky from a statistical standpoint. So they learn a lot about that. So it has helped a lot in, in outreach and, um, but yeah, I think we're going to do this with all the students. Students learn a tremendous amount about cancer, uh, about the, the rates. But one of the coolest things that students learn is they learn a lot about their families. We ask them to write about their personal experiences with cancer or their family's experiences. So we have students that will sit down and talk with their parents or grandparents or whatever about cancer and their families. Uh, and these are conversations that may not have otherwise been had if not for this assignment. Uh, and so I just recently, I had one of the students that has an essay in the newest book told me that she wrote about her grandmother, which uh, she passed away, I think, when she was four. And she can barely remember her grandmother. Uh, but she sat down and she had a conversation with her dad, dad's mom, about her and about her cancer experience. And at the end of the conversation, she goes, you know, I feel so much closer now to my grandmother. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. So learning about people's families and their experiences with cancer, I think that's, uh, that's important because uh, you need to know that family history, particularly if you might have a genetic component to your cancer that might be running through your family because that means you might need to get screened or tested more often to make sure that if, if you have a mutation that might cause you to have cancer later, you find that early uh, and get it taken care of early. So these are really important conversations to have. 
So I know you've been in Kentucky for, for a little while. How long have you lived in Kentucky? About 21 years. Okay, good. So would you consider yourself a wildcat or a volunteer? That's a great question. <laughs> Definitely a wildcat. Absolutely. There Hands you down. go. All you know, right. it, it's it's interesting where I'm from, southern middle Tennessee, most people are actually Alabama fans, but I'm not an Alabama fan. Either. I'm, <laughs> Good to I'm hear. Good to know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, so I, I came here as an undergraduate. I came, started in 1999. And for all of us who know about Kentucky basketball, we had just won the national championship in 96 and 98. And so I thought, I'm going to come here. We're going to win a couple national championships as I'm an undergraduate. And, man, it's going to be incredible. And, of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, we didn't win a national championship again until 2012. And I was here then, and it was amazing. We're, we're Wildcat, for sure. Yeah, we're, Will and I are both Wildcats and hoping that happens again soon. But one question that we always ask our guests, you know, just to kind of get a, a feel for what goes through their minds, our job or our, what we try to do is is just gas up Appalachia and tell all the good things going on in Appalachia. But what I'm always interested to hear from our guest is when I say that word to you, what's the first thing that rolls off the tongue? What do you think about first when I say the word Appalachia? I think about family. Awesome. That's what I think about. I'm just glad you didn't say cancer. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean, I, you know, I, and I think back to my family, you know, there's, there's beautiful things about rural Appalachia, you know, yeah. culture, traditions, uh, and thinking about family and, you know, uh, breakfasts and lunches and dinners, all sitting around talking about family stuff and what's happening in the community. That's what I think about. That's kind of the reason Will and I start all of our episodes off when talking about food, because our family is very important to us, and it, it kind of takes us back to that special place, like you mentioned, of sitting around the table or having dinner or lunch or whatever at, at mom's table and, and just telling stories. So That's right. uh, I'm glad you said that. Family's uh, a, great, a great thing to think about when you think about Appalachia. Yep, Absolutely. You know, I think I think a lot, actually, if if uh, man, I, I would love to go back and sit at that table again, you know, because things have changed. You know, my grandmother's not with us anymore. My dad's not with us. And the conversations and, you know, there was not a care in the world back then, you know, and gosh, there is today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I think we've hit on throughout this whole conversation, the importance of education, especially when it comes to cancer. But I don't think there's anything more important than educating our youth about the issues of the region. And kind of just to that point, you know, what's in the future for action? How is it funded? And what more do you need? Oh, more good questions. Great <laughs> questions. Um, what's in the future? So, you know, I, I hope to run this program as long as I possibly can. We've recruited our next batch of undergraduates. We're currently sort of wrapping up recruitment for our next batch of high school students. There's still an opportunity to apply if, if there's people out there that are interested. So, you know, we're going to continue recruiting. As we talked about earlier, my goal is to recruit students from every single county. I want to go back out to all these counties. You know, we before COVID, I traveled a lot for outreach you know, we've been into a lot of schools that our students are in, 
you know, that kind of stopped or it did stop during COVID. It's picked back up a little bit, but I'd love to do more traveling out in Eastern Kentucky, get back into schools, get back out in the community, talk to people. You know, I love traveling. So just recently, uh, my son and I went down to Jackson, Kentucky. And man, it's just so great to go out in the middle of nowhere and engage with people, my, my kind of people, you know? Yeah. We stopped and had a great meal on the way back home at this hole-in-the-wall place. Those kind of things are great. So how it's funded, it's, it's funded by a grant from the National Cancer Institute, which is part of the National Institutes of Health. Uh, I actually have to renew that grant this year, so I'm looking forward to continuing to have money from the U.S. government, National Institutes of Health, to run this program. I think, you know, based on our outcomes and engagement, I don't think we're going to have any problem renewing the funding. You know, you, you touched on financial burden of going to college earlier and it's, it's my dream, and we're, we're working on this, it's my dream to create a scholarship fund, particularly for our high school students, to help them be able to go to college, and particularly to come to a place or come to UK. We hear this all the time from our students and our families, the, the students' families, about how expensive UK is, and man, is it's expensive. I mean, it's incredible. It's much more expensive even than it was when I was a student. And it's a major burden for people to come to college in general, but to come to UK right now, it's just, you know, it's a major financial burden. So I, I want to do some philanthropic fundraising to create a scholarship fund for our high school students. And I tell them all the time that, you know, you can go to, you can go anywhere and you're going to, you're going to do well and you're going to get a great education. But if you come to a place like UK, you're going to have opportunities that you're not going to have anywhere else. Uh, you're going to be able to get into a research lab here anytime you want to. You can go do clinical shadowing really anytime you want to. You know, you can go to a place, well, any of our great institutions in the Eastern Kentucky and you can do some of that. You can do a little bit of research, but you can't do the level of research that you can do here. And so I think that coming to a place like this can really be transformational to students. That's the big goal, to help more students come here. That's great. What, what can Neil and I do? Other than read the book to get better educated, what can we do to help you spread the word? Can we contribute to a scholarship fund? I know it's not set up yet, but what can we do just to spread the word about just cancer in general or preventative aspects of cancer in Eastern Kentucky? Yeah, so um, I guess first to, to stick with the, the idea of the scholarship, you know, I'm, I'm working with philanthropy right now to set up a page, a platform that we can collect donations, you know, from just anybody and everybody who wants to donate. So that's in progress. But then if there's any anybody out there that has significant uh, giving abilities, they can reach out to me and we can set them up with conversations with the right people at UK to give a big donation. And I think that's what it's really going to take. I mean, it's going to take a pretty significant contribution to create a big enough fund that we can use for scholarships on an ongoing basis. Uh, and that's sort of the dream, you know, to set up an endowment that can spin off enough money every year that we can use that to, to provide scholarships to our students. So we're talking about a pretty big chunk of change. I think it's so important to provide opportunities anywhere we can for Appalachia, especially Eastern Kentucky. One question we also ask all our guests, I, our podcast is grounded on place 
and perspective. So home is really important to us. So we wanted to ask you just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? Oh, that's a great question too. So, uh, you know, I grew up in Southern Middle Tennessee. I spent 19 years of my life in the same, basically the same spot. I mean, we, we lived in one house and my dad built a house across the street when I was five years old, we moved into that and that's where we've been. So that, that home, that, that's really home to me. Like I feel the most comfortable when I'm, you know, sitting at my mom's kitchen table now eating Georgia chess pot. But I've now lived here in Lexington longer than I lived there. I mean, I've been here now, what was it? I said 21, 22 years or something. So I, I've lived here now a couple years longer than there. And specifically, I've spent most of my time here on the University of Kentucky's campus. And I can tell you, it's weird to me, but I really feel most at home in Lexington here at UK. Me and my family don't live right here at UK, but but when I think about where I'm most comfortable in Lexington, it's here. Being at UK, working with students, which is the, the greatest thing I do, that's the greatest part of my job. That's what makes me feel most comfortable now. Uh, Dr. Vanderford, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a great conversation, incredible information. And for, for people that want to get the book, can you just tell them where, can, where they can find it? And again, about the action program. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, in terms of the action program, just Google Marky Cancer Center, Appalachian, Kentucky Career Training and Oncology program. Uh, and you can find us. And then the book. That's a lot of words. That's a lot, that's of, a lot words. of words. Yeah. I mean, I bet if you, if you Googled Marky action program, I bet okay. you'd find it. I okay. Bet. There we go. <laughs> and then in terms of the book, it's both books are on Amazon. So if you go and you, uh, you know, you search the book title on Amazon, you'd, you'd find it there. It's on there for sale, but all the proceeds, hundred percent of the things that come back to UK go to the program. It all goes to doing more things like more books or more outreach, things like that. Things to, to support the students and to get the word out about the things we're doing and what, what others can do to lower their cancer risk. I appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. I enjoyed it. I'm glad y'all reached out to me. I, I really, really enjoyed the conversation. When we meet in person, I expect some chess pie. That's right. Uh, not just chess. Georgia chess because there's a difference. Yeah, yeah there, there's bad. a difference. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Man, I, I tell you, I wasn't aware of the disparities or the stats that were mentioned by Dr. Vanderford mentioned in that in that interview. It, it's striking to hear about. Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia. Yeah, I mean, you're usually up on more of the research stuff than I am, but I think this one kind of left you a bit dumbfounded as well. Just uh, incredible stuff that, that he's got going on, and I'm I'm grateful to him that he's getting young students throughout Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky involved in cancer research early on to you know hope that we can someday – benefit from everything that he's doing on a grander scale. You know, those kids learning more about our region, learning more about the disparities, what they can do, and when they learn, take it back to their communities. I mean, he he is providing those opportunities. Even if those kids don't go into cancer research, 
You know, maybe they go into other some healthcare field. Maybe they go to UPike to the dentistry program. I mean, right. there are tons of things that they can do. Just one opportunity, and that's all. That's all a kid needs is that one opportunity, which a lot of times, you know, kids where we're from don't get. You know what my hope is, Will? So my hope is that some Appalachian in Eastern Kentucky hears Appalachian Meets World and reaches out to us to try to find a way to get involved in the action program. And we're able to to connect them, link them up with Dr. Vanderford and uh, make that happen for them. So that's my goal. I hope that's what happens with this. I hope our listeners enjoyed learning more about it as well. It's not something that is publicized a lot, but I'm glad we had the opportunity to get him on our show and, and get the message out there. That's definitely a good point. Yeah. Re, you know, reach out Appalachian Meets World at gmail.com. So the best answer that he gave us on our show with the many questions that we threw at him was that even though he grew up a volunteer, he is forever a wildcat. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah. Was, I was grateful to hear that. We won his heart over <laughs> as we do most. If you want a copy of the action book, you can check Amazon or reach out to us and we can get you in touch as well with Dr. Vanderford. As we mentioned several times in how to apply to the action program, reach out if you need additional help or resources and we'll, we'll connect you. It's a cool program to not only learn about oncology, learn about oncology research, cancer research on and, and training, but also learn a little bit about the region, where we're from. I know, Will, after our live episode at the Kentucky Mountain Laurel Festival, we're kind of phasing out the of place segment of our show and developing uh, another segment for our listeners out there that we don't really want to give away yet. But I did want to ask you tonight, do you have anything for our of place segment? I do. I do have a little bit about of place. And when when Dr. Vanderfer was talking, it just got me thinking about this plan, these plans that we have over the summer. And while this is not really your, your typical of place that we've done in the past, I want to talk a little bit about what we have planned for the summer, because it, it is somewhat in line with what Dr. Vanderford was talking about, his research and his fundraising for cancer research and oncology training. I, I just want to talk about our hike that we're going to do sometime this summer on the AT through the Smoky Mountain section. So we're going to hike the entire Smoky Mountain section of the Appalachian Trail to raise awareness and raise money for health education in Appalachia. We don't have all the details yet, but I just wanted to mention that as our of place section to let people know that we're going to be raising money. We're going to be raising awareness in regards to health and health education throughout Appalachia. I hope it's a short one, Will, because... Uh... <laughs> You know, it's been a rough winter for old boy. It's so, one of the longest sections. So I know. I you're going to have to start training. I know. I'm going to have to start training daily in order to be able to make it on this hike. But uh, I'm looking You'll make it. it. I have to carry It's all for a good cause. I, I can still get on your back, right? I've been carrying you on my back for years now. <laughs> I can't wait. We appreciated Dr. Vanderford being on the episode and learning more about the action program and all the great things that he's doing there at University of Kentucky. Absolutely. Go Cats, go Dr. Vanderford, go Action Program, and just reach out to Appalachian Meets World if uh, we can help in any way. I guess I can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. I'm up in the mountains again. I'm getting lighter. The air's getting thin. 
Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains.